Jordan. How's it going? I'm here. We're back. <laughs> we barely made it through another week. <laughs> okay, so it's March 8th, 2021. Mindvirus.show. Check us out on the web. Our audience is, uh, well, we really love you guys. <laughs> We're in the, the small cadre of the band of brothers. We're in the tens of millions now, right? <laughs> or is it just the tens? The tens, I think. <laughs> the, the tens the, the true, among the, millions? The, the, tens? the tens among millions, yeah. The few, the proud, <laughs> the faithful listeners of the Mind Virus podcast. Thanks, guys. You're the reason that we get up in the morning. Okay. <laughs> Great start. Anyway, uh, we really enjoyed our last podcast on... Uh, the first of March, it was, uh, we ended up talking about field of dreams, which is an incredible metaphor. I hope, I hope you'll listen to that. I thought it was amazing and fun and really left the, the studio, the basement, uh, bomb shelter studio, uh, uplifted. And I thought we had a great discussion. So it was really fun. One of my favorites, uh, today we want to continue the discussion about what makes good society because we just spent the last 45 minutes lamenting where this society is headed and how, uh, you know, it's as if the, the collective mind took a 44 Magnum and put it to their head and pulled the trigger. And now they're living in this false reality of whatever Dr. Fauci or the, the bureaucrats it's, it's the news at least is portraying it that way. And we've been sort of Bobby and I've been, you know, speculating on how many people really in America are going along with it. I said maybe two-thirds of the people aren't buying it. What do you think, Bobby? I mean, how many people are really buying it? Because the media is making it out as if, you know, you can now... For example, the CDC just came out with some guidance today that if you've been vaccinated fully for two weeks, you can now... uh, you associate can, in, in your own home with, in, in small groups with without other, a, without a mask. Other people with other people who are also fully vaccinated. Right. So only the clean can associate with the clean. Got to leave the dirty people amongst themselves. But as far as how many people are going along with it, I mean, if you if you believe Twitter, then it's ninety nine percent of the people are are all in and going along with it. But I think Twitter's a really bad sample size or sample. I think it's full of weirdos and bots it's an echo chamber. And uh, but I, based on my again, we we live in an in an area that likes to think it's liberty liberty loving and freedom loving, and it it's not. Um, but maybe it's not. It's also not California. Right, it's trying to be Californiafied. I mean, I've, I've talked to friends to about that. Like Utah has gone through a process of Californiafication for the last twenty years, and it's really sad to see. But it's mostly in media, you know, news media, in the popular culture of of Salt Lake, and then the government. For some reason, the people in government 
and, and, I, and I know there's a ton of really good legislate, legislators out there in our legislature, and thanks, you guys, if you're listening, for trying to, for trying to bring back some sanity. For example, Utah has, the Utah legislature passed a bill recently that provided the, at least the groundwork for opening Utah back up by early April. And, and conditionally. Most Im- conditionally, but most importantly, getting rid of the silly mask uh, mandate stuff, and we'll, we'll, we have yet to see how the legalese of that plays out. But I think there there's been some serious um, cloak and dagger intrigue, espionage slash political drama going on up in Salt Lake between the true money powers, the people who control the governor's office, and uh, some of the more influential mainstream. And when I say mainstream here, controlled operatives uh, that hold power in the legislature, I think there's been some back and forth between those and then the populist uprising coming from the rest of the state about, you know, come on, enough uh, enough is enough. We're, t- we're done with this charade. Utah's numbers totally followed the seasonal averages, not the seasonal averages, but the seasonal trend, even though we were above average. We finally had our spike over the winter and now we're done. We're back to normal. And, and dropping quick. So I, th- I think there was some intrigue and, the, and they, they had to relent, the, the powers that be had to relent in some way, but they were able to get uh, certain, there was still enough fear out there. And I think there's still enough fear in Salt Lake that they're able to convince the more rational legislators to, okay, go, al- go along with it rather than just end this madness now type of a bill, like like the Texas governor finally did, which was great. I mean, that guy in, is his name Abbott or something? He, I think so, yeah. It's just, I mean, whether whether he's a real guy or not, just finally saying enough is enough is, is really appropriate at this point. Well, if we look back at the last year, the last 12 months, going back to March 2020, we're, we're approaching this the anniversary, you know, the 52 weeks of two weeks to slow the spread. And there's so many things, there's so many things that happened early on that should have given us clues about the nature of the virus. For example, the Diamond Princess cruise ship, which has been memory hold and never never will be spoken of again in, in the mainstream. It was a cruise ship that during the lockdown period got locked down and no one was allowed to leave yeah they got stuck in japan on at some port no one was allowed to leave or basically board the ship it was in all of this you know as we've ruined the word quarantine over the last 12 months that was as close to a true quarantine as i think anybody's ever gotten and the numbers of infections the fatalities the serious infections the serious cases on that on that boat basically mirror what happened everywhere else in the world. That should have given us a clue that this is going to be much better than the fear mongers are telling us. You know, another event that should have given us a clue was Dr. Erickson and Dr. Masihi. Masihi. Masihi is his name. We hope we're saying that right. Yeah, uh, great, great guys. Great chance, Dr. Erickson or Masihi that you hear this. First of all, thank you for listening. And uh, but thanks for being cr- courageous frontrunners of the truth. I mean, these guys who had these clinics out and have these clinics out in Bakersfield, uh, California, 
California with a K. They uh, came out early on, and I think it was in April, and talk, had a press conference at the behest of the local news to tell them what the deal was. And they were like, look, we've got all, we've got all this data now. We've got empirical data. And we're seeing a, a large number of cases and a very, very small number of deaths. So this is similar to the seasonal illness. And this is what we'd expect. We can, we can all kind of cool our jets and need to, you know, the guys in Sacramento need to relent. And they were totally widely castigated and censored. Well, what's happened is, you know, the, the, the cruise ship, the experiences that Dr. Erickson and Masihi had, those are, that's real data. That's real numbers. You know, the cruise ship kind of skewed older the people on the cruise ship as cruise ships do they're 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 things that old people go on when they retire and and that real life empirical data was just was just shoved aside there were some military ships same kind of a thing well fast forward to today we have a year's worth of empirical data and what is for for a young person what is the survivability rate of COVID if you're in high school it's 100%. approaching 100%. Like you, this is what is so crazy about what's going on today is like literally, if you go to the schools, if you're a kid, your, your transmission rates are near zero because asymptomatic spread has been proven to be a myth and the CDC and the World Health Organization has even come out and admitted that quietly to, to zero fanfare. Okay, and remember, the whole charade is based on asymptomatic spread. The idea that if you don't have symptoms, you can still spread it. So for one full year, America has been parading around as if healthy people could be spreading the virus. Well, that has been proven false. Now, the numbers on death rates have proven that this is just almost, uh, you know, perfectly in line with mirrors the, the seasonal flu, which, by the way, where's the seasonal flu this year? It's gone because we wear masks. Oh, but but the COVID, but the fact that we were wearing the masks wasn't working to stop the spread of COVID, right? So we needed a lockdown. I don't know what the the, the rationale. It's like a no, it's a mind pretzel. It's like the Gordian no, it knot. Just, they don't spread the same, Jordan. You don't understand the mask stops the flu, but not COVID. But also people don't wear the mask properly, and so then it stops the flu when you don't wear. It properly but doesn't stop covid when you wear it properly and as long just be just, quiet okay trust this be quiet i think what i'm hearing is trust the science is that what you're trying to tell me is to no, trust the science trust the scientists <laughs> <laughs> okay. trust in fauci we trust okay so anyway we're uh, as per usual bobby and i are quite worked up again <laughs> and we're trying not to be super low energy so we're getting angry <laughs> that's not the right energy okay what what okay so anyway we got we got all this empirical data that's showing us that empirically you have a, a survivability rate at large in america of about 99.95 percent. that means you have a, a one half of a person per thousand is potentially gonna die if if they catch this seasonal illness and uh, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it talks like a duck, it, it uh, will, if you throw bread to it, it will come eat the bread, kind of like a duck, similar to a seagull though. But the thing is, we have rebranded the common cold. That's what's happened. Coronavirus is the second most common cause 
of the common cold. The technical name of the virus is the SARS-CoV-2 virus. SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. If you look that up in the medical dictionary, it's uh, severe is not serious. They're very clear about it that severe does not equal serious. Serious has, to some, has something to do with about whether or not you're going to die. Severe just means intense. Like you can have a severe headache. You can have severe chicken pox or something like that. It's the opposite of mild, all right? You uh, can have severe cognitive dissonance. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. The, okay, so there's a whole tangent there that I'll avoid going on because we got to get through the rest of it. Acute means that it's not chronic. Acute is the opposite of chronic. It's like you can have it, it comes on quickly and it goes away. You weren't expecting it, it comes on. Kind of like the seasonal cold or the flu. And then uh, respiratory means it relates to, relates to respiration or the respiratory system. And syndrome means it's a, a set of symptoms they can trace back to a single source, like a coronavirus or a rhinovirus or uh, an influenza virus. So, so literally they knew this when they named the virus, that it was a severe acute respiratory syndrome. And if you look at the Mayo Clinic website or the WebMD website or any of the medical literature, the common cold is described as an acute respiratory syndrome. It comes on, it goes away, it relates to respiration, and it's a syndrome. And it can be either mild or, cue the fanfare, severe. We have been dealing with the rebranding of the common cold for a year now. Well, and the COVID part of SARS-CoV just means coronavirus. Right. COVID means coronavirus disease. Right. And so SARS-CoV-2 means it's the second coronavirus they've found that they've been able to attribute to what they call SARS. You remember, it was, I think it was 2008 when they had a, quote, I'm doing our quotes, SARS outbreak, which killed a bunch of people. There's some, in the East. There's some, there's some speculation that the 2008-2009 pandemic... Well, it wasn't a pandemic. It was... was a, well, yeah, and it's... it's is it, well, did they title it a pandemic? They did, but... Well, why didn't we do the whole song and dance? There's, well, there's speculation that they tried to or were going to. But, but people it, wouldn't it, have it gone didn't along work. with it, right? It didn't quite work well enough, and... I don't know. We don't need to go down that, but I do want to go down... Are, are, you, are you done with that tangent? No, I'm ranting here because... <laughs> Keep the, mind, the mind of the populace hadn't been sufficiently raped and molested enough to, to go along with this, I think, in 2008. But uh, we... Okay, I've lost my train of thought. You take it up, Bobby. Well, <laughs> we are going to talk about what makes a good society, or, or, or that's more. But in one of those i think one of the aspects of a good society and we touched on this last week is is a is a, a good society values truth and pursues truth and doesn't penalize people for pursuing truth nor does it penalize people who are pursuing truth and who end up being wrong it's okay to be wrong and to make mistakes you have that's, to be willing to admit you're, when you're wrong the the scientific method it's is about hypotheses and coming up with an idea and then testing it against empirical data and data and 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 sometimes people are wrong. Yeah, we got a uh, one of our uh, listeners, one of our one of the few in the proud. Let's call this guy Copernicus because, you know, <laughs> we don't want to out him <laughs> to the rest of the world. Uh, he, he's a good friend. He sends me a, an email the other day. He'd been watching on Netflix. There's a series 
called Murder Among the Mormons. And we're Mormons. You know, we've mentioned that in our past podcast. Uh, there was a thing that happened in the 80s where a guy named Mark Hoffman, who, who's a forger, was selling what we call them uh, interesting, inflammatory, uh, exciting documents that were forged that theoretically had come from Joseph Smith in the early years and of he Mormonism. was an accomplished forger he 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 had styled himself as a historian right right and that he was he was finding these documents and he had he had fooled he had done it he had created an Emily Dickinson poem you know supposedly handwritten by her he did documents that had to do with uh, like the American uh, revolution I think so he it wasn't just like he was some kind of like Salt Lake local he, he was well he was very good at what he did which was deceive people with forgeries and he was deceiving professors and experts and, yeah. and a lot of people from all from all from this profession the, yeah the big document that was in question was called the salamander letter there was some uh conjecture that Joseph Smith had gotten his instructions from a salamander and there that's an interesting discussion for another day because there is uh, some there is uh, some element of uh, what, what how would we put this in Mormon history you can find discussion about salamanders they pop up in certain well uh, that era the era of American history was was very much steeped in folk magic folk magic or superstition or talismans and magical objects and mm -hmm. things like that so discussing those things in that time frame wasn't it wasn't unheard of it wasn't right. abnormal the thing, the thing to point out is that he the salamander was linked with the fireplace and the fire and the, so the the salamander idea was that, that, that there was a being um associated with fire and it's it's more appropriately associated with uh, the seraphim or the fiery flying serpents of the Hebrew religion. So this is totally related to Abraham, the Bible, to all of that stuff. It's just that we've, in, the, in our Catholic Protestant upbringings, we've been divorced from any understanding of the symbolic, let me say the word symbolic again, meaning that comes through in a lot of the, in a lot of the etymology and the scriptures at large, if we're willing to look for it. So Joseph in one of the last addresses he gave, April 7th, 1844, his last general conference address. It's commonly known as the King Follett funeral sermon, but it's not. King Follett died a month earlier, and he gave the funeral sermon a month earlier in March of 1844, and so the one, family prevailed on him to speak about it. One quick Go ahead. point of clarification is that King Follett was not a king. That okay, was his good. name. That could be that could be confusing if you're not familiar with it. His, <laughs> good, this good guy's point. name was King Follett. He was not a king. I appreciate that, Bobby, because I'm just going on and on as if everybody has some background on this. Uh, forgive me, but the uh, the point is for and, and I think at this point a lot of our listeners are LDS or has at least have some familiarity with uh, Mormon background, but I, I hope there's a bunch of you that are not LDS that are listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh, send us comments. Tell us what you want to talk about or hear about. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, do our, our website mindvirus.show. We we we're taking comments. Uh, we've po we've 
we're, we're watching, we're waiting. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in, in the Mormon church, there, there's been a, at large, there has been a tendency to sort of try to sweep under the rug what they call the King Follett discourse, because King Follett, uh, a believer, a, a member of the Mormon movement on the frontier, one of those great people that participated in the, the this vibrant history of America, when we used to be free, okay, he um, had died digging a well. Uh, some of the rocks fell on him, and, and so Joseph Smith gave a sermon at his funeral, and then the family and other people who had heard it prevailed upon him to speak on the same subject. And so he mentions Elder King Follett. He was a, an elder of the church, which is an office, a title for people in the church. He mentions him at the start of this, this sermon, and he, he launches into what I would call the clearest explanation, of the clearest public explanation of his cosmology, his view of the cosmos, and our place in it, on April 7th, 1844, in what more Mormons now call General Conference. So if you're LDS, and this is the first time you're hearing this, the last General Conference address of the first and greatest prophet in Mormonism was the King Follett sermon that everybody tries to sweep under the rug. And in that, we get an understanding of the idea that man himself, man and woman, kind, they are divine in, in their nature, and that they have the potential to become nothing less than, quote-unquote, glorious, fiery beings who dwell in, quote-unquote, everlasting burnings. These are the words of Joseph Smith in the 1844 conference address, April 7th. And so the salamander is linked to the seraphim, which is linked to the fire, and the, 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 the serpent, the reason you have fiery flying serpents is because wings help you to ascend. I'm raising my arms above my head right now for the radio audience. We, we don't think in terms of direction and symbolism and pictures, but if you go back all the way to Egypt, look at their paintings and carvings on the walls. They have these intricate carvings that are full of symbolism to try and give you some sort of a... Of a orientation as to where you're at. You're at the bottom. You're down disconnected from the heavens, and they are at the top. They can fly, and they have, they have these serpents, and they, they end up, uh, they have sometimes feet and, and other body parts because they can move and do things. The, they're functional. It's very symbolic, and why the serpent? Because the serpent sheds its skin, and it goes from one life to a new life. It gets reborn, and, and you know, this is not um, incompatible with Christianity. It's straight out of John chapter three. Unless a man is born fr born again, unless a man is born again, he must be born again, right? So the serpent is a is a natural symbol of being born again because it sheds its skin. And strangely enough, the word uh, again in John chapter three is not actually again. It's actually anothen in Greek, which means born from above. So unless a man is born from above or receives his birth from the heavens, is the way I would explain that to this audience, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He must have come from the heavens to, come, to go back to the heavens, is literally what it says in John chapter 3. And so you get Joseph Smith, who explains it a little bit differently, and then, of course, he gets killed a, couple of, a month or two later for, I think, the, I, I believe it was for that doctrine. Because that's what the Nauvoo Expositor, there was there. Okay, 
I'm not going to explain the whole history of this. We'll get into this another time. But the there there were a lot of people that were riled up over this idea that man could become like God. And long story short, there was a, a competing newspaper that popped up. They accused Joseph Smith of certain things. And the main the main accusation was the plurality of gods, the idea that there was more, more than one God and that man could become like God. And then they brought up polygamy and some other things that were going on in Nauvoo, but uh, the number one thing was the plurality of gods. So he gets, he gets, uh, he comes under fire for this. Well, anyway, this was a tangent to explain a little bit about Mark Hoffman and the Salamander Letter. And of course, this is a subject that I love, so thank you for uh, humoring me, Bobby, while I go on to that tangent. My buddy Copernicus, who we're calling Copernicus here, he's been watching this series, Murder Among the Mormons, that just came out on Netflix, and I've, I've had several people uh, tell me that, that it's interesting enough, we ought to take a look. I think, I think we should. Maybe, maybe we'll want to talk about that subject, but in the series, I'm quoting from my friend here, Mark explained how when he was young, so this is Mark Hoffman, the forger, he explained how when he was young, he forged a coin. Now, that's pretty amazing. The guy forges a coin. I don't know how you do that. He sends it off to be authenticated by the U.S. Mint, and he gets a maybe some uh, rating agency or something like that, because there are these, I don't know if the Mint at the time did um, grading of coins, but other, there, there are two, two primary coin um, grading companies out there if you're into numismatics. If you're into that, you'll know a lot more about it. Anyway, he gets a letter coming back with a uh, statement declaring that his coin was authentic. And so Mark then realizes and says in the documentary, it does, or the, it's, it's not a documentary, right? This is like a, is this a... I actually have no idea. Okay. I've heard of it, but I've not, I don't know. So we're not sure if this is a documentary or if it's a, a fictionalized account, dra- dramatized account of the actual events. Anyway, Mark says, it didn't matter. I'm just going to quote Copernicus here, which would be better. It didn't matter if it was authentic or not. It only mattered that people believed it was authentic. It would be worth listening to what he says on your own. But that mindset really seemed to be broadly on display this past year. It's been playing out over and over again in my mind. It's not about truth. It's It's about what people believe is the truth. Okay, let me just say that again. This is Copernicus, okay? And we've chosen the name Copernicus because everyone knows (laughs) at first he wasn't believed, but then finally the world decided that what he had to say was worth listening to. Anyway, that mindset that the truth, it only matters what people believe. It doesn't matter what's authentic. It matters what people believe. That mindset seemed to be broadly on display this past year. It's not about truth. It's about what people believe is the truth. This mindset allows the self-proclaimed masters of this world to direct the events of this world. Think of the legitimacy of the U.S. dollar and the legitimacy of the state power and the legitimacy of elections, it doesn't matter whether or not they are legitimate. It matters that the people believe that they are legitimate. The battle is and always will be in the minds of the population. From there, it spills out into the physical realm. 
Well, Copernicus, that was pretty intelligent. <laughs> it appears that it's a documentary with some some dramatic um, reenactment. Dramatized scenes. Well. Yeah, from, based on what I can see. If we're wrong, tell us, because neither of us have watched it, um, but it, but I think we will. But, th- but Copernicus brings up a really, really important point about the nature of truth and what's real. And, you know, I, I think about the Truman Show again. Truman was led to believe that everything around him was real and was the truth, even though it was all fabricated. Uh, the last year, we can, I can think of dozens of examples of things that we've been led to believe that are true that aren't true. Jordan mentioned asymptomatic spread. I think we all kind of naturally understand that asymptomatic spread is not a driver of disease. If it were, we would always be sick all the time because our bodies are always fighting off pathogens and viruses and infections. That's why we have immune systems. And yet, we've all altered our behavior some more so than others, as if asymptomatic spread was a driver of pandemics. That's one example. The masks are another one. I think we all understand that masks are not what the politicians tell us they are. We've had people at the CDC, we've had local doctors here in Utah, state epidemiologists and so forth have said things like masks are medicine. Somebody at the CDC, it might have been the director of the CDC before the current director, the director under Trump, I think was said that it was better than a vaccine, that wearing masks was better than than a vaccine. I think we all understand that masks are largely symbolic. They're, They're a placebo. And yet we all put them on because we don't want to cause trouble at the grocery store. I saw a video today of a woman getting pummeled, literally pummeled by a staff of a small grocery store because she didn't have a mask on. They throw her to the ground and they beat her. <laughs> well, what about social distancing there? <laughs> right. There's no logic to any of it. I'm go- you're, wor- you're scared of this person without a mask. And so you literally, and it was another woman that kind of led the charge. These two women just brawling on the floor. And it's like, well, you for sure got COVID now because you're, you, yeah, you're you're up in the face of that non-masker who for sure has COVID, and now it's you've got it. Yeah, it's it's literally like the brains have been blown out. Or, but I, I think the mind, I, you know, I know this is a family program, but, but the rape of the public mind, I believe, is the best explanation because, you know, you you can explain this. You, you can't have a debate with a lot of these people because they'll just say, well, but but the science, the science, and. Let me point out, the science changed for 2020. We, we had a whole episode on what's changed in 2020. And asymptomatic spread was one of those things. Previously, asymptomatic spread was not a driver of disease. Now it's a driver of everything. It's the whole reason. And uh, previously, once you'd been vaccinated, you were safe. And you wouldn't spread to anybody. And you could do whatever you want. Now it's like, oh, don't be so sure. We need to stay locked down. People who, people who are vaccinated, you, you guys need to be fearful still. You know, stay fearful. So uh, I think 
when you're talking to people about science, it's incumbent upon them. They bear the responsibility to, to articulate it because they're the ones that have changed. And we need to point that out. Like, you can't just say trust the science. You can't just say trust the experts because you've censored all these other experts and you changed the science. So it's incumbent upon you to make the explanation. And no one has made the explanation about why we're supposed to be doing all this stuff. They just said trust the science and trust the experts. That's not good enough. They changed everything and we should have a long enough memory. But the problem is there is an idea in the public mind, or at least in the media, what, what the media portrays to be the public mind, and we were debating that earlier, whether it's, it's two, uh, one-third of the country or 25% of the country that actually still believes the media. I mean, they are really the boy who cried wolf at this point. That's the only way to label them, I think, boy who cried wolf. But they... They're, they're in the public mind. An idea has been injected. In, 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 the mind of the public has, at least that, that those people that are still believing the media, they, it's, they have been inseminated with uh, an idea that is not theirs, and it is growing into, you know, literally... They're, well, they're going to birth a baby, and they're going to love that baby. I mean, <laughs> I'm seeing, I'm seeing. I'm, again, Twitter, take it for what it's worth. But as we start to see some of these restrictions lift, and we probably should talk about that a little bit. But as I'm starting to see these happen, these things go away. People are saying things like. I don't want to go back to normal. I'm too scared to go back to normal. I can't imagine not having my mask with me. I can't imagine being in a crowded room with people again. This isn't right. This isn't safe. I can't do this. Well, Shame. then there's the people who just want to want to avoid the inconvenience of going back to well, work. Yeah, like, the, like the epidemiologists or the... The, the liberal news anchors that have been living out of their living room in right. there's the one lap that, of luxury. There's one that wrote on Twitter that, she was panicking about getting, you know, having to travel again and having to wear blazers and, quote, hell, even shoes, end quote. So <laughs> this woman is lost her mind and she's her her biggest concern right now is having to wear shoes and go back to work. Never mind the millions upon millions of people who never had the luxury of of working from home or stopping work and just had to live their lives normally as much as they could in the face of what they were being told was a, a, a death sentence, fatal pandemic. And those are the people that kept everything going. Those are the very people that made it possible for her to hide in her home and have food and internet and television and entertainment and heat and water all delivered to her so she could work in her pajamas and spend time with her kid, as she says. And was this a, somebody that was an into, into news media? I, I, so this I was looked, someone spreading the, the mind disease? Right, something to do with journalism. And, and she has a Twitter check mark for, for whatever that's worth. It's worth about a million shroot bucks, <laughs> which is worth 40 million Stanley Nichols. Okay. <laughs> I need an explanation on this <laughs> that's new an currency. Office, that's an office reference. Yeah. So in okay. the office, uh, Dwight Schrute... Um, 
he has an idea to to reward people with sh- with shroot bucks and the, oh and then the, stanley's the stanley other guy. stanley's the the kind of the stoic uh guy who he's never he's the black guy yeah i'm going to say it yeah and and you know what he's a good guy he's a regular guy like the rest of the people and that was not a racist statement but now no, you all know but who he's we're talking a black about black cast stanley. member in stanley in in it's the cool office dude. Oscar, the Mexican actor, there's a great scene where Michael gets on Michael him. Scott says, "No, now where are your where are your people from, Oscar?" And he's like, "Scranton." <laughs> he's like, "No, no, I mean like your parents." He's like, "Well, my my mom and dad are Mexican." And Michael Scott says, "Whoa, hey, no need to be, no need to be racist." <laughs> and he's like, "Michael, no, they're from Mexico. They're Mexican." No, Oscar, we don't we don't need to say that word here, and so course it's a you know it's playing on the by now the it, that the, used the, to be fun and and, and, and people and, and now that's gone so far out of out of control but anyway stanley doesn't like the idea of the shroot bucks okay and, so he's got nickels and dwight's like you don't want any shroot bucks and he's like i'll give you i'll give you 40 standing nickels for one shroot buck or something <laughs> like that and anyway what was i talking about it, that's epic the office was epic and they there were things that are now off limits. They can, we can't have another office series because the public mind has been raped because we are now pregnant with an idea that, well, not just one idea, but many ideas that prior to nine months ago were not there, there's people in the mind. There's people who are terrified of doing things that just a year ago they wouldn't have thought anything about, like going grocery shopping or going to a movie theater or to a basketball game or smiling at someone in public or shaking hands. Uh, I do want to say I met some new people this last week and they reached out to shake my hand and I shook their hand and we're all still alive. (laughs) Hey, what about all the super spreader stuff from the January 6th? Did we talked about that? Where was the... There's no such thing as a super spreader. There's been dozens and dozens of super spreader events that didn't super spread anything. We're, we're now following the seasonal trend. Anyway, okay, so we're going to take it for granted now that we don't need to supply extra rationale to you as the listeners that the actual reality... It has diverged from the false reality being portrayed by the media. The coronavirus is over, okay? It's following the seasonal trend into oblivion. And now, because the coronavirus in general, that type of virus is the second most common cause of the common cold, we have created a situation that the media and the, and the bureaucrats believe they can use to, again, inseminate fear in the public mind and jerk us around. So now, from now on, any any... Coronavirus mutates all the time. It has for for forever. Okay, that's why you have the common cold or some of the common colds. You, that's why people get colds and have gotten colds forever. So now, after 2020, now when coronavirus mutates, it's going to be dangerous and deadly. Well, I mean, that's what they're setting us up for because they've been able to uh, inculcate a. Uh, the public mind, again, I know not the listeners' minds here because you guys are all awake, but the public mind with these false ideas, these false truths, this, this false reality. So so going forward now, we have a rebranding of the common cold, but we're following the seasonal trend. We're following the seasonal trend 
precisely. It may be, it may appear to be a little bit higher uh, this year. I think that's because of the state response. People don't recognize how when there were powerful psychological and spiritual uh, energy is. And for whatever reason, some of the some of the previous years were were lower. So you had people that had lived an, a year or two more than maybe statistically they should have. I'm not saying they shouldn't have been alive. But just statistically, because you had lower numbers in 17, 18, 19, it's the dry tinder theory, right? Yeah, we but, talked about that one, I think, a couple of podcasts so, ago. So yeah, a lot of those people have that are living longer, they've, they've passed on. The average age, I don't know what, I can't remember what the average age was. At one point, it was like higher than the, the average life expectancy that the average age of death from COVID was like in the 80s, you know, and then I think the U.S. average life expectancy is 78 or something like that. So, so let's tie this into our, our theme of the last couple of weeks of elements of a, of a good society, of a moral society, of a Zion society. Is orthodoxy an element, like, just because the society is unified, does that mean it's bad? Because I don't think so. I think that a, a society can be unified, and it can appear to be an orthodoxy. So orthodoxy literally means um, the right way. It's the a single, that there's a correct sort of a behavior as opposed to hetero which means heterodoxy multiple acceptable ways multiple acceptable thoughts that's a good question i think that orthodoxy i think can kind of spontaneously evolve from the ground up but it usually doesn't because people are different people have different backgrounds and different incentives and different ideas and different ideals in most cases that I can think of right now off the top of my head in history, orthodoxy has always been enforced from a central power, whether that's like the church or a government or right now you have sort of this, this synergy of government, corporations, religion, pop culture, uh, medicine, all of these central powers synergizing into one, one massive orthodoxy. So we're only supposed to talk about anything using certain words, and, and certain words are being banned or, or taboo, uh, certain ideas. I mean, certain people are being canceled because had, they won't conform. We had Dr. Seuss get partially canceled this last week. Some of his books are now no longer being allowed to be published because he wrote them, I don't know, 80 years ago, and now they're offensive. So you and, and we've gone on, we've talked a lot about different cancellations and censorship. So censorship, if orthodoxy leads to blunt force censorship, then no, you can't have orthodoxy of that kind and have a moral society. See, I don't think we can have orthodoxy. I don't think orthodoxy leads to a moral society. I think you're right. I think that orthodoxy be, meaning the correct or the right way or the right opinion, the idea is that there is one right way. And, you know, 
this this is a this is a good philosophical discussion because if the veil were removed, we we are spirits living in the material world. We are um, divine, godly, at least in theory, entities striving to be better and striving for the ultimate reality. And we recognize that we live in a in a fallen, disjointed screwed up world and that if the if the situation could be corrected then we would see our actual reality right but if we saw our actual reality would we know everything would be we we really be as the gods would we know everything or would we be on a journey towards truth instead of away from truth you know so so this idea of orthodoxy is that essentially you are god and you know every truth and therefore you can proclaim that and enforce it, as you've just been discussing, via censorship, via um, brute that's, force, that's violence, the, via, the, via violence. The problem with orthodoxy is that it somebody always has to, to choose what is orthodox and then also have how, how to enforce that. And so we have a long history of, of people and groups and governments that have done a very poor job of I'm being I'm being gentle here but but no it's evil billions of people have been killed I think I think we can say empirically from empirical data that orthodoxy idea that conformity idea conformity of thought conformity to a a, a state driven and remember most states most uh, governmental apparatuses throughout the history of the world and I would argue our apparatus today are theocratic, okay? That means that they claim the, the, the moral, godly authority to be telling you what the truth is. We have a theocracy in America. Your high priests are the media. Your high priests and priestesses are the media. They, remember, they give you the liturgy. They tell you what the, the narrative is, and then they tell you what to do. And the people who are the, you know, the, the oligarchy that controls them, they are God, or the ideas are God. And I would say, we go, let's go one step further and say that the, the people that, I would say the people that control the oligarchy are literally dark entities, and they are fallen gods, and they are evil. You when know? This, and this trickles down. I um, saw an idea again on, on Twitter Sometimes stuff, good stuff, if you follow the right people, the good stuff floats to the top of the cesspool. But I saw this idea that... Did you just call Twitter a cesspool? Yeah. Okay. I'm not the first to do okay. that. <laughs> just wanted to make that clear for the listeners. That's, that was the point. <laughs> so you're, you're but back to... <laughs> before I get on there, I wear a mask. Okay, I good. Put a mask <laughs> you put on. a mask and on. It protects that me. protects you. No, that, no, 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 no. It protects them. It protects them from okay. my bad ideas. Okay, good. Anyway, can you even remember what you were about to say? Well, we see these restrictions lifting, these governors, these these uh, benevolent governors letting people breathe again. And I saw an idea that said that wh- why is it that a governor can assess the information available and the situation and decide that masks are no longer needed, but an individual can't do the same thing? Because remember, we've we've been told all along that if you decide not to wear a mask, that you're a science-denying, selfish grandma killer. 
I think that's the technical term. But this this idea is really prominent right now that that we we have people literally begging governors to give them their freedoms back or you have people saying don't you dare give us our freedoms back it's not safe and and we we touched on that a little neither person neither person is arguing from a moral standpoint because the governor doesn't have the authority and never had the authority to take away any of our liberties to begin with now if you want to wear a mask you go right ahead but none of us have the authority or the moral high ground to tell somebody else that they also must wear a mask or social distance or only operate their business at 50% capacity. And yet, now we have these governors that are winning easy points, easy press, by doing something that, that requires no courage whatsoever. You might argue that DeSantis in Florida did something courageous because he lifted restrictions in September 2020. And has has been and is still being just lambasted by the COVID cultists, saying that Florida is going to kill the whole country. Of course, Florida has done just fine from a COVID perspective. Yeah, statistically, look at the graphs; they're all the but same. But <clears throat> even if Florida had done horribly, it doesn't matter. The trading trading our sovereignty, our individual sovereignty, for the illusion of group safety is a bad trade it's a bad trade because you don't get the safety and then the liberty never comes back and we've now set a precedent where any governor or mayor or county commissioner or county mayor or epidemiologist or whatever dr fauci is can shut down entire cities or countries or if not even the whole world now for any reason. And I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it, the climate change lockdowns are coming. And that idea is being is already being floated out there that we need every 2 years I read recently that every 2 years we need a 2 weeks 2 week pause on commerce and human activity to to help the climate. This is obscene and it's absurd. So do some do people somehow have this idea in their head that they think the government is supposed to create an, a conformity and orthodoxy is that where i mean is that what what do people think government is supposed to do for them take right care now? of them take care Keep of them? them safe is that what provide is that what twitter thinks the twitter mob yeah you i think so yeah that's like another planet for me but you know, I've, I've never had it a twitter another, account it, i've never it, had another i've never had a twitter account it is another planet it's a planet full of <laughs> space crazy aliens people crazy space aliens space cadets <laughs> space cadets yeah. So, I mean, is that okay? So, I'm I'm wondering because what what do people what do, what do people think that the purpose of government is? That's well, if you if you take at face value what you can see out there, at least the media tries to. Then, yeah, the, the government is there to provide for our needs, to keep us safe, to feed us, to educate us. I, I would argue that a large again a large segment of America doesn't really believe that. No, I, I agree. But the media, the way the media portrays it, is that that's their job. But I think more and more people, and I think even a majority, even a majority, believes that government exists to do far more than it's capable or even authorized to do. You know, early on in this, you you saw. I remember, you know, last March. I realized how many 
companies have my email address because I got an email from every single one of them telling me how they were responding to the pandemic and how they were going to keep me safe. You know, Sony is going to keep me safe by making sure that something, you know, I don't even remember. <laughs> making just, sure the actors in their movies are wearing masks. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I got all these corporate emails and I, and I it gave me an opportunity to go through and unsubscribe to a lot of stuff, but, but Sony or Apple or the local grocery chain doesn't have any authority well, let's over my safety. They don't have any responsibility. They have no... Yeah, if they, if they... Who's responsible for your health? If they decide that they can take... That they are responsible for my safety, then they're also responsible for anything bad that happens to me. Right. See, as relates to corporate or... Um, I don't even want to say corporate. As it relates to general commerce amongst people, there's a balance. You have a duty not to do harm, right? So like pollution, for example. We've got a massive polluter. We want to get, as a people, try and get that under control because they're, they're affecting everybody. They, they could be noise polluting. They could be... But see, that's um, the argument people use for masks. Right. You're a polluter by breathing. The problem is that... 2020 changed the accepted English common law standard for disease. We have never, ever held each other liable for the spread of communicable diseases. And we, we have, the, 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 whether you like them or not, that's the evolution of zoning laws and noise ordinances and things like that, is that we all live in the community, so we've had to do something to have some sort of recourse when, uh, you know, Bobby's kids riding wheelies around the neighborhood on his motorbike in, at two in the morning. Somebody's got to go out there and do it. And instead, and so we've we've gotten lazy, and in and we pass these laws, and and a society gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Rather than the neighbor going out and talking to him, the neighbor calls the police. But in I think in a good society, the neighbor would go out and handle that and say, "Look, buddy." Go to bed. <laughs> right. Everybody right. else is asleep. We're all getting pissed off here. You know, you're waking everybody up and we're going to have to have a ch chat with your dad. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, ha I, ha I had a car that was uh, kind of loud. And I, one of the neighbors complained to my dad about me driving it too fast or something. And he said, look, I might just toss a rock through the window or something. He told me that, that what the guy had said. And he said, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably not driving it around recklessly. But I, I remember thinking, oh, I probably should care more about how they feel in that way. Not that they, not that they need, not that I need to care about what they think about other things, but where is, where, whereas I'm affecting them in the situations where I'm affecting them, I might need to care more about how they feel because I am causing them some sort of angst, you know? So that's can, where th that's where our ordinances come from. It can be boiled down to, and I think this is actually a name of a book, but don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Yeah. Now, but this year, everything has changed. Everything's changed dramatically when it comes to that, where now it's, you take that first part of that sentence, don't hurt people. Well, now just being near somebody is equivalent to hurting them. So there's so there's like a rational balance here. We've got like a we have real issues if we're going to live in a society together. We have real issues, but we've we've uh, allowed the wrong people to inseminate our minds with ideas that we're all a threat to each other. 
right uh, via an invisible enemy well not only that but you have you have people claiming that certain words or phrases are violent or that even not well, that, saying certain words is well, violence. silence that, is violence I, I don't think that's even debatable i think it's self-evident for example that a, a, a person that was born a man and if a person was born well you're not born a man but you're born a baby boy okay Somebody that was born with male genitalia, that's commonly called a penis, the idea now is that that person can decide to, if they want, to participate in women's sports. And, and that, that if, we, if, we, if we talk about this or say this in the wrong way, and, and now you know why uh, we're not using our real names in this podcast, but... We're trying to... Trying to we're protect trying, the innocent. We're trying <laughs> to, to, when we inevitably get canceled, we're trying to limit the damages to our real lives. But, but, but it is self-evident. It is, it is plain beyond belief. Okay, we're, we're talking about rational people here. Men should not participate in women's sports. That is just self-evident. I can't... If you want to argue with that, how can you? Well, people what? are arguing with that. But how, what is the argument? Give me the, give me the argument. What is the best rational argument well, I, there? I don't know if there's rational arguments. A man who has male genitalia, who says he's a woman, should be able to run track against the girls. Because gender is a spectrum. No, no, no. What's the rational argument? That is it. No, no, no. Give me the rational. That, that's what they use. Gender is a spectrum. And so not all men are manly men. And so the less manly men can be manly women. Or something. Okay, then, so what you're then, saying is an, then, effe- an then, effeminate man. And then they're also taking, it's, it's, being, it's being used in the sense of you can't, you can't argue with somebody's personal choice, personal truth, you, that they are a, a woman in a man's body. And so that, because gender and sex are now being separated. Right, okay, so do you, you, have you ever heard the term neoteny? Neoteny, it's uh, this idea of uh, uh, youthfulness this, that some people display in their, in their genetics more neoteny. They, 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 baby-faced. Yeah, baby-faced. So what you're saying is because we have baby-faced men, we need to have men compete in women's sports? I, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but that's the argument. That's one of the arguments I've seen. And I, needed, I, I don't really want to do more homework on this because I'm with you. Okay. I think it's, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's insane. But somebody comment, but, on the, comment, on, comment on the blog or on the website. But there's a lot of important... So there's a, there's a, there was a bill here in Utah that would ban And several, boys, state, several states have done this. K, uh, I think it's K through 12 boys from playing in girls. Sport. Several, several co- more courageous and than Utah states have already passed laws that, to, to make this clear. That bill, the governor, Spencer Cox, I can't go a week without bringing him up and how ridiculous he is, but he said he didn't feel comfortable signing it as is. He didn't elaborate on what he wasn't comfortable with. But, but this, I, this, this whole issue demands a lot of questions like... If an eight can an eight year old boy play with girls, what about a fourteen year old boy? What about an eighteen year old boy? When, at what point is there a line in the sand? And so far, the really strong advocates of transgender rights, we'll call it, even though I don't think that's the right word, 
the word is men who say they're women having the right to be treated like women. And it's not even just with sports. Or vice versa. But where is there a line? Is there a line that should not be crossed? And so far, there it doesn't appear that there is one. We, so we, you have you have you have men who are identifying as women who are out there winning events. There's in the in the cycling world you have what's called masters. It's age group. It's you know you have the elite pros. You know like Lance Armstrong, right? Uh-huh. When people get older and they're in amateurs, you have age groups. And these age groups, one of them is masters, and it's usually like 35 and over or 35 to 45 or whatever. And those, those age groups can go out and compete for national titles and also world championships. You have what's called the UCI, which is the governing body of cycling. <clears throat> it stands for something French. Uh, Union Cycliste. Okay, that was I think close. that was perfect. <laughs> the Union Cyclist. Anyway, it doesn't really matter, but the UCI is the governing body of of world cycling. International. And right. And they have world championships. The UCI World Championships. And they have that for age groups. This is a long way of saying that there's a man who went and competed in women's UCI sanctioned world championship races and won. He won multiple ones in different disciplines. I think on the track. So track cycling is they go around the track. A little different than road cycling. It's more boring than road cycling. Uh, it can be exciting, depending. But anyway. But it's really but boring. This, this guy, this man, went and defeated women, and it was crowned the UCI World Masters champion in these events for women. For women. But he was a man. But he was a man. But he called himself a woman. You have... And so did they. This might need a fact check. And so did they. This might need a fact check. Well, everybody's okay with this. Not everybody. But people are okay with this, except the women that are getting beat. They're not okay with this. And in in the case of Utah, they had some athletes from, I believe it was Southern Utah University, which is a university in Cedar City, Utah. Some women uh, athletes came and testified in favor of the ban because they had been beaten in some of their college intercollegiate yeah yeah. i think they were runners and they had had men dressed as women or identifying as women beat them in their races now is this is this really the culmination of of feminism i think it's the men pretending to be women and taking things away from women i think it's the the uh harbinger the the events that precede the storm here because we, you, can't, you can't have a society. That's what we're talking about is a good society. And this is symptomatic. Um, see, we are not an asymptomatic society in any way, shape, or form. We're we are sick. symptomatic. We have, str- we <laughs> we have, have clinical we have, symptoms. <laughs> we have diagnosable... <laughs> we're not even doctors. <laughs> syndromes. So we can, yeah, this is, this is self-evident. So we're, we, we are like literally on the cusp here. And so I want to just like rearticulate it. So the argument is that because men come in all shapes and sizes and because we lack the vision and creativity to create leagues. Oh, wait a minute. We already have county rec leagues. Like if you're not an NBA level basketball player, you can play in county rec, right? Sure. Well, you could before 2020. 
Right. Okay. Now we have I I we have softball, okay. football, flag football, the problem basketball, is the, soccer. The problem is you can't be a world champion going through the county records. And this might need a fact check, but I believe right now the Connecticut state track records for girls in high school, high school girls track, I believe most if not all of the state records are held, held by, by transgender. They're held by men. Men don't say transgender, transgender women. Transgender women is don't what say they're transgender women. Men. These are men. Okay, that yeah. is not. That is not. That's a. That's a destruction of the language. It is. You, that is you've destroyed the language. If now I realize that to talk to people, you're going to have a hard time. But that when they say transgender women, that means man. This is something that, and and here's where. Look, if somebody. Wants if a man wants to live his life as a woman, I don't care. I don't care. But the rest of society shouldn't be forced to care. So earlier, Jordan talked about driving his car too loud and fast down his street when he was a kid. And one of the neighbors cared. And so the neighbor said something. Okay. We've we've probably all have experience like that in our neighborhoods where somebody cares enough to complain about the dog or the kid on the motorcycle or someone's yard, or whatever. That's fine. And what do they usually do is they resolve it... Between the neighbors. Between the neighbors. That's that's a good society where the neighbors can come together (laughs) and they can say, look, okay, we have a difference of opinion here. How can I accommodate you and how can you accommodate me? But if, if neighbor A doesn't like Jordan's loud car, it doesn't mean that neighbor B also has to not like it. It might not bother the other guy. And so if neighbor A goes over to the other guy's house and says, come on, we're going over to Jordan's house and we're going we're gonna to vandalize his car because he's loud, the, the second neighbor has no obligation to go along with that. But see, what we're doing is we're being forced, we're being told what to care about by the media and other entities, and then we're being forced to care about those things or to act like we care about them. You see this in academics, academia. Professors and researchers and teachers are being forced to believe certain things or at least not to say certain things. And so you have this environment where a lot of people, and we'd have to look up numbers, are unwilling to say what they really believe because they fear retribution. That is not a free society. No, that is, that is not the way free people live. And especially in academics, you should have... You should always have debate on university campuses. There should always be professors who are debating with one another, especially within colleges, you know, areas of study, and especially within the social sciences. My, I'm making air quotes right. why with social we, sciences. Why would, but, we, why would we want to even send our kids to these universities now when they're not universities? They're not what they used to be. They they're used indoctrination to, camps. They're indoctrination camps. So what are you going to the university for? I mean, that's a good question young people should ask themselves. I know that what you're going for right now, I think, for, for those of the people that are really thinking, the, one, the ones that are associated with our audience, I think the reason your kids are going to colleges, or if you're a kid and you're going to college, is because you know you need to get the, the credentials. It's well, for the it's, bona fides. It's for the, it's for the corporate America to, to uh, be able to hire you. It's, and if that's the case, I would ask, why... Do, do you really want corporate America to hire you at this stage? Because what is corporate America? Anyway, go ahead, Bob. Well, it's, it's what 
the listener Copernicus mentioned it, that there's perceived value. There, right now, there's perceived value for a college degree. Now, there might be real value. And right now, I still think it holds true that the more education you have, the more earnings you okay. might have. But, see, but, I don't but want... again, that's this idea that the only purpose to life is to earn. Yeah. I don't want an, a structural engineer who's gone through Bill Gates's math program. Right. Because, right. I mean, that's the to end To be of... told right now, and if you're not familiar, right now, we're being told, and Bill Gates, again, there's that name, Bill Gates has a, has a huge influence in this, that to pursue one correct right answer in math is white supremacy. Well, in math, there is only one right answer, and the people building the bridges better do their math right. The people building our roads and our buildings and, and programming our airplanes and the computers in our cars. Well, now we live in a world where steel-framed skyscrapers could collapse at any point in time symmetrically into their own footprint. <laughs> so I, I, that's why I don't go into big cities anymore, because this, the buildings could fall down for no good reason. But that's... Circa 2001. Well, it's not just for knowledge. no good reason. If a building over there catches on fire, like it, could, it could make the building over here fall down. Okay. But it's a very, very good question. Why, why are you going to college? Why, it's, it's, is it just to become an earner in a system that maybe doesn't care whether you exist or not? You know, I, I've always been, I'm pro-market. I'm pro-capitalism in the in the sense of free exchange, both of money and ideas and goods and services. But that's not to say that we don't have issues in our you know systemic issues in the way that we tr what we trade for earnings or this idea that the only good thing we can ever do in our society is earn, earn and be productive, and then take those earnings and then turn around and consume. Earn, consume, earn, consume, earn, consume, retire, consume, consume, consume. And depend on and the state, die. depend on the state to protect that mechanism. And I think that's what, where we got onto the men's versus women's sports thing, men, men participating in women's sports issue. The, I, 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 again, why do we lack the vision and creativity to figure out a way for the men who are less genetically endowed to participate. I think we've had that. I think we've had that. You have, we have indoor it's soccer. Called, it's called golf. You've got golf. You've got, you've got a wide variety <laughs> of ways to entertain That's yourself. That's a joke, people. You, you've got a wide variety of ways to entertain yourself. And if you, if you want to be Michael Jordan, but you don't have the um, physical mechanism to do it, that's just the way the world is. I hate yeah, to say that. the brakes. That that's just life. Or and or why not create if we're if we're really going to go down this this road as a society, create a transgender sports league then. But the problem is they don't have enough people because not enough, they're not enough people living their lives like that. Well, the problem is the transgender women can't compete. The, sorry, that's. I'm getting the, the words mixed up. Transgen the, women, the women going to the men, going to a man. Technically, I, I believe in our, in our uh, new think, um, bastardized language, a transgender woman is a man mm -hmm. who says he's a woman, and a transgender man is a woman who says she's a man. And the problem with a transgender sports league, where all of the 
changed people go is that the men would completely dominate the women, meaning the transgender women would completely dominate the transgender men because they're men beating women in sports, which is what usually happens when the men mature. Now, there's a period of time. <laughs> there's a period of time during puberty where women usually mature better. I have, I have a cousin, and she was a great athlete, uh, and I think she's still a great athlete if she wants to be. But she, she's, she and I are the same age, and she matured faster. And I remember getting into a little bit of a tussle with her as a, like a 12-year-old or something. She took me right down. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting beat up by a girl. And, uh, you know, I, I just respected her a lot more. And so there's a, there are physiological strange things that happen that aren't, that don't, that, that can't be fair to everybody. We can't, we're not, we're not equal physiologically. We're not equal mentally. We're not equal, uh, not equal. We're different people. That's the beauty of life on the earth. And so we, we've got as a situation where, We've got a self-evident truth here that men and women are different. And we have some rigid, you know, we've got some category categories or stratifications we've set up in our world. Like, for example, that the girls should compete with each other versus the boys. And, and there are, there are co-ed leagues, right? But they're, they're for fun, I think, you know, and I I think they're, they're somewhat competitive, but we don't have like a, an NBA where it's co-ed. But anyway, because we have this uh, itch, for some reason there's this itch amongst certain people, and then of course, uh, I think a nefarious, there's that word again, a degenerate um, base criminal type of a well, of a desire on the part of the oligarchy to destroy our society, which is what, what the whole point is, is to destroy the society. The they, they they've they've been fomenting this this through the media this idea that men should be competing with women. Well, and in, and in I think I think it it goes along with this this thing that I've been harping on it, it, this this stripping of our identity and our individuality. So the masks are a symbol of that, but the 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 destruction of gender also does that it turns us all into non-persons it turns you're neither male nor female you're you're just a thing you're just a person with no with no biological characteristics with no personality traits if you think about it in the in the big picture and sometimes i think in big picture terms and i can get i can dizzy myself with <laughs> possibilities of you know things you know absur- absurdities but right now we're a faceless genderless society we're, you're a that, gel- you're a gelding that's the a gelding you, is, a, is a neutered horse. horse they're turning us into npcs they're turning us into the npc meme just this this gray-faced nothingness of no thought no passion no desire no, no divinity. No ambition, and it's certainly no divinity, no divine nature. No uniqueness. You're, we simply exist to produce whatever it is they want us to produce. Resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Your uniqueness will be added to our own. We are the Borg. Right. 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 And so this, this, it's, a, it's, a, 
it's really strange to me that that people who have called themselves feminists and have you know fought for women's rights you know whatever that you think that might mean are now saying it's perfectly okay for a man to grow his hair out or not but to identify as a woman and then go take something from women because that's what's happening that's that's the pinnacle oh, of, yeah. of, of 150 years of feminism is men pretending to be women and taking things from women. I know it's so I think that I think the men in, in women's sports is a really clear lever with which to pry on pry on are all the, the people who the are OK, are society. the people who are OK with a, a man winning a women's track race are they okay with a man a transgender a man pretending to be a woman are they okay with him getting hired over a, a another female candidate can they can they can they claim that there was favoritism yeah that can, that presents a like whole where, host of, where of, are of these affirmative lines? action that, problems and that's what i'm i was talking about earlier like because there are going to be there are going to be men who take advantage of this in the sports world. It's very easy. What's to stop? What's to stop a coach right now from taking a group of twelve boys, turning them into girls, and going and winning a state girls basketball championship with a team full of men of boys in high school? I know there's nothing. I, the, the incentives are so warped. And you know that there are people who are going to take advantage of this. And you can say, oh, that's, that'll be the exception. Well, how many, how, many, how many girls need to lose at sports before it's too many? See, here's the, here's the problem, though. The, so we stratify, we've got artificial categories. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't call them artificial. We have natural categories. Men and women is a natural distinction. That is just something we can't change, right? That's a natural distinction. And there... I'm sure uh, if we ever get any notoriety, this podcast will go down in history as "quote unquote" hate speech, because that's what they want to call this. I don't, I don't hate people who are confused or, or as to their gender or well, believe even, or believe they've figured it out. If you, you know, say I, I don't it's hate confusion, them. it's hate that's speech. hate speech. Yeah, if you but call it, it confusion, but they, they can, they call it dysphoria. Yeah, gender dysphoria. What is the what does dysphoria mean? Confusion. I, and I don't know if I haven't figured out yet if it's opponents, so-called opponents that are calling it gender dysphoria or supporters. But this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is the, this is the right, lever upon right. which we're, we're getting prying. into the weeds. We're here. talking about we're talking about our our uh, ideas on what's what's a good society, and this is uh, this is symptomatic of a not a good society. This is not a good society, and look at what it leads to. It leads to a bunch of people who are used to a, the traditional norms, which are na which are not perfect, but mostly natural, right? They make sense. They're self-evident. And they go out there and these states have to pass laws and say, you know, girls can't participate in the, or the boys. It's, you, we're usually okay with the girls if they want to compete up with the boys. That's fine because the boys have a higher level of performance. They tend to run faster 100 meter times, swim faster 100 meter times. But even times. then, it, the outcomes are usually not great. I mean, you had this last fall a, a, a female kicker in football she's at, in the hall of fame now at a at a i think was it vanderbilt university but she's a kicker 
they didn't trot her out there to be linebacker or right. quarterback. And why is that? Well, because she's not as good at football as the starting linebacker. It's just a physical. And it's a physical limitation. It's like even the, with her kicking, it wasn't as effective as her male counterparts. Now, look, does does that mean she should be ridiculed or? Or clowned? No, no. It's she, exceptional that she, she's competing she, in the men's. She did this thing. It was collegiate sports. Fine, whatever. I don't think she needs to be lionized either. But the 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 issue for me isn't that there are people who want to live their life as a different gender. It's just that we can't even talk about it. We can't even talk about some of the problems with doing that or any other because the, the chosen way of life or idea, you cannot challenge the orthodoxy. Right. Because you're a bigoted, hateful person. If you do, they've, they've now tried, they've carefully gotten that or, into the lexicon and into the laws. In or some you're cases. a climate denier, a science denier, uh, a grandma killer, selfish. You see the way that they turn these things into moral arguments. You can't you can't discuss ideas anymore unless you do so within the acceptable range of thought. And also, going back to the idea that we live in a theocracy, also you must do so with the reverence of religious dogma. And those who don't are heretics and need to be excommunicated. Yeah. There's one important point I'm getting at though here. This is this is a carefully calculated strategic um, effort by the oligarchy to destroy the Bill of Rights. That the, the American Bill of Rights is the thing that has been standing in, in, the, uh, in opposition to world domination for a long time. And they've been carefully eroding, steadily eroding the Bill of Rights and eroding the public mind to get rid of, number one, free speech, and number two, your right to protect yourself. And it has to happen in the mind. The mind has to be destroyed first so that people believe that they are... Um, less than they are. This is, this is so evil what's going on because they want people to debase themselves so they can be controlled. And if you think uh, in their terms and that government should be taking care of you and that you don't have a responsibility for your own health and that, that it's not, if you think it's not okay for some guy to come talk to you because he might be sick and that you can't work that out with him and you need government to work it out for you, you've debased yourself to the point of cattle. You are their cattle. You are their product. You are their, their thing, their, their um, piece of property to be manipulated and to be used and abused as they see fit. That's literally how the, there are people living in this world who believe that's what you are, and they want to subjugate you in that way as if you are an object. And it, and it is really sad to see that the feminist movement got co-opted. I think there's a lot of true feminists out there. Well, true feminists, what, whatever does that mean? People, feminine women who, who believe in the greatness of women, you know, that are, are recognizing how bad uh, what feminism has evolved into has become. But they, they, want, they, they want us in a position of submission and us believing that we are uh, inferior to them. It's, it's like the, the Eloys and the Morlocks in, in H.G. Wells' Time Machine. But here's the, here's the strategy. You don't, you don't make a full frontal assault on the, on the Bill of Rights. You don't, you don't go out and say, look, it's time to repeal the Second Amendment. That gets people angry. You don't say, oh, it's time to repeal the First Amendment. That gets people even more angry. And, and if they just say, we know better than you, so therefore you can't have free speech, that doesn't work. So what they do 
is they're attacking the fringes. And we saw this with the gay marriage thing. The, the several states passed uh, resolutions on gay marriage, forcing the Supreme Court to rule. All right. And we're seeing the same thing with the transgender issue and some other issues is when 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 we've passed beyond what's self-evident, because we didn't have these laws. A better, I think a, a one one um, one attribute of a really good society is that it has very few laws because the people recognize what is self-evidently good behavior and what is self-evidently uh, good interaction, how to, how to manage disputes with their neighbors versus getting the state involved. Because when you get the state involved, then the state passes these universal edicts as if they have all the understanding for everybody at every point in time. And then we get something like, uh, you know, yes, you must allow gay marriage or no, you must not allow it. Or yes, you must allow transgenders to uh, men who think they're women to participate with women in women's sports. And, and they do that because of the way the court system is set up. And the court system is just begging for conflict to be solved. And, and then we, we've gone uh, you know, way beyond sanity in the last hundred years, and we've allowed the Supreme Court to be the final arbiter of, of what our laws are. In reality, the way the, the founders set up the Constitution was that the legislature was supposed to be the most important, and the legislature still can overrule the Supreme Court if they want, but they don't. And they, and they, they allow that because the oligarchy wants this mechanism in place because it's how they can control the public mind and the rules by which we, we tend to play. So uh, anyway, uh, a, a very astute friend of mine pointed that out, that by passing these laws, we're just inviting... Um, inviting the Supreme Court to step in and just stomp on us. And that's what we did with Proposition 8. I think he made a really good point that, 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 that's, that that's part of the problem here. And, and so... I should note that this bill in Utah that would ban boys from playing girls' sports, there was a strong um, faction saying... This bill shouldn't exist. This is not something that the government needs to rule on well, or take care of. We, we have a, because, like you said, it's self-evident that boys should not be playing girls' sports. Yeah, and so and so we have this situation. It's sort of a no-win situation. It's kind of where I was where I was going with my thought. the The problem is the people. It is the mind. It, we 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 become we become. Uh, full as a society of false educational principles, false ideas, bad understanding, and, and, and we're divorced from the actual reality of what would make us a good society. You can tell when uh, Jordan's fired up because he, he pokes the table. <laughs> uh, inviting the government to rule on it and set the set the standards for us just proves we lack the the imagination the creativity the willpower the um gumption to do anything about it ourselves and i i i think it's uh it's difficult because we have so many people in society it's it's hard to manage we want to have a free trade and intercourse with all the different states you want to be able to drive it, it's created it's created a great deal of uniformity 
right? It, it's created a great deal of ease and convenience. You know, if you want to drive, well, prior to 2020, if you want to go into California and uh, or Connecticut, whatever, you, you, you could expect roughly the same style of interacting with people, a, a certain level of safety. And it's, it's allowed the modern world to evolve in a certain way, but it's not the only way that the modern world could have evolved. It, it could be different and we could still have a, a great society. Isn't that what LBJ called it? <laughs> yeah, the great that was but that was his excuse. They always put these good terms on yeah, bad law. The New Deal. Yeah. Well, the, the New Affordable Deal. Affordable Care Act. Yeah, Affordable Care Act. It makes makes your health care skyrocket in cost. Act. The, what's the the recent one? The the CARES Act. Yeah. <laughs> it cares about the Federal Reserve getting all the money. Um Well, you're right. You're right. And I've seen I've seen it said really for over the last year that this could all end right now if we would end it meaning the the restrictions the masks the closures if we just refused to wear the things if we refused to stop living our lives there would be no power but we didn't we don't refuse in fact we beg for it we beg for this we have too many people whether it's a a small sample size on twitter or not there are too many people especially influential people saying we should always live this way. This is how life should be lived. Right. See, there's a, there's a school of thought in the libertarian school that the government should stand involved. And this is, I think, where I lost my train of thought just a minute ago, is that the, the government gets involved. And so there's that, this idea that uh, you pointed out, these people that didn't want the government to pass any laws in Utah, because it is self-evident. Uh, but there's this, uh, li- it's mostly a libertarian school of thought that, yeah, the, gov- the government should stay out of it. And I, I appreciate that the libertarians are really very principled in general. They, they'll try to... Some are. Well, okay, yeah. I just stereotyped a whole bunch of people. There's but been a sad... You make a good point. Uh, there's, been, there's been way too many that are been, have been pro-lockdown through all this, which I think those guys are libertarians in name only. Well, the idea between a liber- about a libertarian is that you, you, the government's supposed to stay out of it, right. and then private enterprise is supposed to fix things, and, and that, that um, the state, whatever, the gov- whatever that is, and that's, that's another good uh, item of discussion of what really constitutes the state. It, does it have to actually be called government, or does a multinational corporation that exerts influence in every town and every city like Walmart, or let's say every home like Amazon, do they constitute a form of government or state? Um, anyway, the libertarians like to take this approach that it's all hands off, and, and the really principled ones will say, yeah, we don't get involved because we just don't get involved. But they're, they're all, when you get a society, there is a point in time where you have to have some rules, some sort of check against the power structure that's going to become a monopoly and this in the 18, late 1800s manifests itself as the Sherman Antitrust and Anti-Monopoly laws. When the robber barons had gotten too much power, they, they passed some laws to try and break up the, the, money tr- the, the, the moneyed uh, interests. And I think that it makes sense because those, peop- those, those interests were not serving society um, 
they, they weren't treating society appropriately. They were taking their, their power and using it in a, in a way that was contradictory to the well-being and the, and the rights and the lives of the, the people. They were essentially using them as cattle, right? And then, so the labor unions form, and it's this struggle. It's, it ends up this human struggle for power, and, and uh, you know, it ends up with a lot of corruption on both sides. But there is, there is some sort of a, a level where um, uh, where I think the people need to make certain agreements so that no one no one party is able to take that kind of power over the over the others. There there so that there there's there's that type of a society right where we could I, have an an idyllic what would you call it a uh, Republican form of society. And then there's also the idea of a, of a righteous monarchy and that I don't know if in this fallen world where everybody feels like they have to split up the pie and we've got the, the unseen evil running around <laughs> tempting everybody and inducing everybody into bad behavior. I don't know if it's possible for us to have a righteous Republic, but the idea of a, a righteous monarchy, I think has, um, been able to for certain I guess the righteous republic also has had certain short-lived time periods uh you know in earth's history where they, they have had a good society for a short period of time but the the monarchy the, you know, the monarchy idea that's this the same type of thing you know in the in the book of mormon we get some examples of that the righteous king benjamin or nephi or the ne the people that came after nephi that were called uh, they were kings but they called them nephi because they loved nephi so much I think there are good examples where where a monarchy works, and I, I guess the what's the, what's the common denominator? Is it the form of government or is it the people? Well, it's always the people. It's the people, right? So that so our problem, we're sort of talking about the wrong issues. I guess. I mean, I was going to read from the Declaration of Independence here because I think it's I think it's inspired. It starts off and it says, "We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal." that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, right? But so, so the idea is the, the, the people who are recognizing the self-evident truths, they institute some, some rules, some sort of a government, for what purpose? To secure those rights, the rights of life, liberty, and property, not the right of safety, not the right to not get sick, not the right to uh, ha have your feelings hurt because someone said sp speech that you thought was quote unquote hateful. No, the right is to protect, it's to protect right, uh, the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which is commonly understood to be the righteous enjoyment of property, meaning responsible use of property or ownership of property. And then they, they go on to say, look, whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it's the right of the people to alter and abolish it and institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness, right? So there you get safety and happiness. But the idea is that the protection of life, liberty, and property creates safety and happiness, 
and prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established shouldn't be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while the evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they're accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it's their right, it's their duty to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. I mean, this, this is eternal truth right here. That, that's in this world. It's the right of the people, wherever they are, to organize, to affect the protection of life, liberty, and property, causing safety and happiness. I think a problem, though, is that today, for example, when you, when you vote in Joe Biden instead of Donald Trump, people think that that's what they're doing, what you just read. Or when Donald Trump won in 2016, people thought that's what they were doing, was, was instituting this new government to end the long train of abuses. Of course, just voting new people into this, into the this same corrupt system. system isn't changing the system. It's not working. Donald Trump was supposed to drain the swamp, right? He just filled it up. He just turned the hose on and it got deeper and deeper. Right. And of the, course, we see Biden carrying on the same traditional, uh, the same traditions as as his predecessors with war, right. debasing the currency, and, and and of course all this social psychological stuff that is so common nowadays too in keeping us, uh, you know, keeping our minds broken. Yeah, and it's look look if you're reading the Declaration. Look for the where it talks about forms, the forms to which they are accustomed. We're not talking about the uh, the people that fill those forms, the people that operate those mechanisms. We're talking about the actual forms. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, they can right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. This is this is a serious issue. We, I mean. We've said it before. The, the colonists, they, they righted themselves over a long train of abuses that was far less abusive than what we have been dealing with in America in many, many ways, in many ways. And so, I don't know. I feel like we've, we've now just, I, I, like I've deflated the balloon of the energy <laughs> in the room here. Like it, it, it's, it's an awful situation that we face. When my, I don't mind saying this on the record, my, my energies the last week or two have been deflated a little bit, even though there's a, there was a bit of optimism with seeing people starting to wake up to you know, the mask mandates and, and stuff like that. I, I was out and about this week and we had some nice weather and there was a, people just were just, packing this park there was a there's a park i ride my bicycle by just packed people everywhere kids parents and it was really good to see so i think people i i think and i hope that as the weather gets warmer people are are regardless of what governors and fauci and others say are just gonna they're just gonna go forward with their lives what i'm also hoping to see is that the real power here isn't these governors saying oh we can we can lift the mandates the real power here are, are, are going to be big 
grocery stores and store in places like Walmart and Target and, and food chains that just say, we're done with the shenanigans. We're taking down the plexiglass from our cash registers. We're cutting off this police tape that blocks off half our tables. And we're not going to require face coverings to come into our store. That's where the real power is. But that, will, will they when they're owned by the oligarchy? The big ones won't. So if, if we were searching for a title for this episode, I might call it civil disobedience. Because I feel like that's kind of where we're at is where people, I don't think we can fix this with the legislature. There's too much money, well, too much and, perverse incentive and too much money. And relying on them to fix it is is wrong because that's, again, it gives them power that they don't and should not have. It, it's playing in their home, the statist's home court. We're begging the, them for f- some crumbs after they took our cake away. It's an admission that they own you. It's an admission that they you need their permission to do this stuff. It's an admission that their laws are just. The laws are corrupt. Right. Like we said, this society would be far better off with far fewer laws. Right we, now, we need permission to do just about everything, even to leave your home. You know, the CDC says we can, we can meet now with, if you're vaccinated with each other. No. No, they don't get to tell us when we can meet together. The local propagandists, the Utah COVID propagandists had said, when can you stop wearing a mask? When everyone is vaccinated or we have herd immunity. No, you don't get to tell me when I get to be with people. That is, that is not your, you have no authority over that. So stop acting like you do. It's not legitimate. It's corrupt. And my ability to gather and to interact and to be human is not predicated on whether or not I've taken a medicine. We, we only have, the, I have a very smart friend who told me once, we only have the rights we're willing to defend to the death. Those are the only right? rights we have. And right now we're not willing to defend much of anything. You know, wh- when we were growing up, there was a band called Twisted Sister. You remember them? <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they I have don't know a, if I remember any of their music. They, they have a famous song. It says, we're not going to take it. Oh, those are the guys. Okay. So in our lifetimes, we went from that. We've gone from, we're not going to take it to, we're definitely going to take it. We're going to take the shot. It's safe and effective. Not even just the shot. We're (laughs) taking the the youth and the the counterculture, the so-called counterculture now today. Is is, conformity. Obey. It's a state of orthodoxy. Obey and listen to everything. You know, there's a a satire, a, a satire article that said something like man who agrees with government universities and all the experts believes he's part of the resistance like no to re to be part of the resistance you have to resist (laughs) and right now all these forces are aligned corporate media corporations churches medicine hospitals government universities and government are all united telling us the same things that synergy alone should be a huge red flag a huge red flag massive red flag yeah it also makes it harder to resist and i think more people are afraid of being labeled and persecuted than they are of the virus well there was a there was a really good uh interview well it was a good because uh Catherine austin fitz was in it but i'm going to link to a, an interview that she gave to a uh, guy I can't remember his name, but he does uh, USA Watchdog. And 
you know, no offense to, to this fellow. I'm really glad he does this podcast and everything, but ask Catherine Austin Fitz better questions. You people that are interviewing her, don't just pander to her, try to flatter her or whatever. She's super smart, but ask her better questions. You've got her on the show and we need, we need better questions here, but she's, she's got some great insight into the big picture. And, um, we talked a lot about Catherine Austin Fitz in episode eight because I was going through the history of the secret combination and her expose at Dylan Reed and co and her, her experience and how she was able to, to shed light on the totality of the system of oppression that has been built up. And she, if you listen to her, you, you hopefully come to the conclusion really soon that we are all part of the problem because we rely on these multinational corporations for our food, for our banking, for, you know, our medicine, for everything. We, we, we rely on them. We go to them and we do it out of convenience because, you know, and, and for to save money or whatever, but we, we're not willing to go out of our way to be uncomfortable To, to escape the system. We're, we're always willing, we want to keep one house, we want to keep one foot in the system and, and, and pretend we have a foot outside of it. It's like Hugh Nibley who said, you know, oh, so you want to have a summer home in Babylon. <laughs> we, and and I, I know it's really hard. It's almost impossible to escape. She said, she, you know, she, in her expose at Dylan Reed & Co., she pointed out this, this inflection point in her uh, story where she realized as she was being sued by multiple entities in the government, who she beat, all of them, in court, um, she was writing a check to her attorney from a Chase Manhattan bank account. And she's like, here I am financing the enemy, the people, the very people that want me in jail. I'm financing them. And so she, she gets a, uh, decides to switch bankers, which I haven't done yet. I've been stead- we, we canceled Amazon Prime. Okay, I've still purchased a couple of things from Amazon recently, but we... We, we did get rid of Amazon Prime uh, right after the whole par- parlor incident in January. Our, our thing came due, so that was convenient because I was quite incensed at the time, so I canceled it. There's $120 that this multi-trillion dollar company <laughs> is not going to get. Right. But, but just really quick on Catherine Austin Fitz, she asked the question, who's your banker, who's your farmer? And she... T- she her discussion, it's really important because it's like, look, you, if we're going to have society independent of the beast system here, and it is the beast, and it's the, it's the modern manifestation. I think that whole idea of excluding people from the Agora has been going on, you know, so the mark of the beast has been here for a long time, but, but here we have a, uh, almost a worldwide situation where they have great power. And if we're going to, you know, if we're, if we're seeing the symptoms of the patient, this, this patient, uh, which is our society, is not just on a ventilator. It's in a medically induced coma, right, on a ventilator. It's, it's on life support. And when, when a patient gets to that point, they're close to the end. So if we're really there, we need to begin to... Uh, we need to begin to take steps to remove ourselves from it, to provide not just new guards for our future security in a government sense, but new guards for our future security in a very temporal 
way. And that's really hard right now. And so I guess that's one of my questions to you. Civil, disobe civil disobedience gets us to a certain point. But what, what else do we do, Bobby? I mean, is that, is that too high of a bar? I, we're not talking about a boycott here. I, I'm, I mean, I think boycotting Amazon is one thing, but uh, literally, you know, considering who you're banking with, where, who, who you're getting your food from. Is it Kroger? Is it, you know, can we even avoid that? How it's hard to avoid, uh, to avoid. I mean, you know, you have little independent food, food, uh, distributors, little independent grocery stores and things, but not very many of them. And they get, you know, they get swallowed up by the big chains and the Walmarts and, um, it, but, it, it but would be a monumental a, task to even source that that wide of a variety of food without getting into the, the well, multinational the, chain. Right. The people who the companies that pr to produce the foods are part, all part of it, too. And it's 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 almost impossible. I don't remember. We talked about this and I don't remember if we were recording or not. This was a, a few weeks ago, but we talked about how, you know, going off the grid, so to speak, is more or less impossible now. Because, first of all. The grid, the land is. Yeah, the property tax there's issue. There's no grid. There's no. There's no land that's off the grid really anymore. Yeah. And then, to get to 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 build on to build on your own land, you need to have all kinds of permits and permissions. To get to the land, you need a vehicle which has a GPS tracker in it and needs to be filled up with fuel from. From gas stations. Holiday Oil or somebody Exxon. You got to drive on the roads. Then you got to have water, even even if you're just going to live off a well, you got to have it. You got to get permits to dig that well. You know, there's some right. Uh, but if is it something we shouldn't try? Should we should we be just throwing our hands up in the air? I mean, what's the no? Definitely uh, if this, not. If the that. patient, if the patient's on life support, should be throwing our hands up in the air? Because I've seen a lot of people in the last ten years. You know, you wake up to this stuff and you you you're like, oh, the sky is falling. I think, and then. I've seen people move away and then they have to move back to the city for their jobs. A few months ago, I kind of finally had enough of Gary Herbert, our former governor, telling us that our love for one another was causing this rise in cases. He literally said that. And I got tired of him telling us that we can't see each other and to stop being together and don't have Thanksgiving and don't have Christmas. And that's when I started kind of getting active on with this stuff on, on social, on, on Twitter. I'd finally just had enough. And I realized that complaining about Trump or Fauci or Biden or Cuomo in New York doesn't do anything for someone here in our state of Utah. I, so I think what I'm saying is that changes are going to have to happen locally and that can be that can mean getting after your legislators or your governors, your county commissioner. I use that one a lot because we have a county commissioner in Utah County, and they're ridiculous. At least two of them are. There's a panel of three, right? And the one of them, anyway. I'm not going to go down that road, but and and even more so than just begging legislators to behave themselves, is to work with your circle of influence because that circle of influence can then go and it spreads like a virus mm -hmm. using our love for one another to kill right. us all. 
to apply societal pressure. I, I guarantee that as a man with no principles, Spencer Cox would behave differently if there was adequate pressure from the people to behave better. But there isn't. And so he knows he can be this California neocon. Well, I, think it, I think there's pressure, but it's it's uh, he's backed up by the media. And what one right, of the big, not, it's not real pressure. Right. One of the big things we we've, we've been pushing is we need to get the word out that people need to stop listening to media. We need some slogans that are like you know that people start saying. And uh, maybe maybe we can spend a whole episode trying to come up with a few neuro linguistic one liners that people could start passing around because that's what we need. We need to be like. You can't just say it's a hoax because they've they've fought against that. But if we have some really sharp ones um, that people can start to say, it's like, well, one I've used in the past is politics is poison because it, it is poison. It will slowly kill you. Get out of the left right conundrum. Get out of that and advocate for principles, for liberty and for freedom. OK, just because. Just because the guy that you voted for or the party that you voted for or belong to does something, don't defend that if it's immoral. You know, don't defend Andrew Cuomo because you're a Democrat. And don't defend Spencer Cox because you're a Republican. Stop defending immoral behavior. Stop endorsing it. Stop encouraging it. As soon as we stop doing that, that exposes the media lie because the, then you see the media doing these things. <laughs> you see the media spinning Cuomo or Biden's presidency. You know, I saw something that was like the, the, the bombs that Biden dropped on Syria were done quietly and without a lot of braggadocio. And it's just like, and that made it okay were, because it wasn't because Trump. he didn't, yeah, he didn't <laughs> brag about it on Twitter. Well, I don't know that, Twitter. I don't know that Trump bragged a lot about on Twitter about <laughs> dropping bombs. No, because he didn't drop quite that many, but he still did. But just this idea that that they're trying to spin Biden into this quiet, thoughtful guy who doesn't like the spotlight, which <laughs> is a bunch of bullcrap. <laughs> he has fifty years in Washington of being 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 uh, crass and rude and craving the spotlight like people forget what he this no, what this guy did to t clarence thomas in the 1980s oh, he, he's on record like there is odd there is video not audio but there's video of him that was circulating before the election of him saying the n-word in congress now i can't say that here because that's like the ultimate electric fence but uh it's considered a bad swear but he said we don't need any more n-words in in government, we have enough N words already in government. So not only did he use it, but he was talking about not letting black people into government. And this, he I has mean, a, he, he he has so much of a record. He has a long history of documented racism. Right, the fact that the media, under the under the circumstances of 2020 and everything that they've been pushing, uh, promoted him, lifted him into the into the office of president, is the ultimate hypocrisy. The well, ultimate. He, paradoxical Even, and these aren't like things that, that are old even in 2020 he said if you don't vote for me you're not black right but that but i'm i'm talking about uh, but things he, that would have gotten people he like, has a long history killed. of of yeah. race racism he has a long history of just swearing a lot and then all the crass and then all the creepy all the creepy 
you know, the child touching, sniffing, yeah, the, the all that sniffing, stuff. It's, that's. I mean, the that's, fact that he's been elected means we're living so, we're living in a fantasy it, world. And my point here is is that the media has is spinning him into this thoughtful, quiet, dignified statesman. You know, I saw another headline that said he's you know President Biden starts his day with a workout and ends it with chocolate chip ice cream, and in between is a deep, thoughtful agenda for reshaping America. I haven't heard anything deep or thoughtful from him in decades. Well, I'm certainly but, seeing a lot of reshaping of America. We, yeah, the the real issue there is this reshaping of America. And do you ask yourself, do you like the way that we're being reshaped? Do you like what we're do you like what we're being reshaped into? I don't. The thing is, you there. I think there are a lot of people out there. Biden's not the reshaper either. I, I know. I know folks that close to me that think that this is going to get fixed in the legislature, that it's going to get fixed in 2022. I am telling you, it is too and, late. And that's what I'm saying with you. You can, you can rebel now. You can civilly disobey, disobey right now, or you can take up arms later. Maybe that's what, and that's what I'm saying is that just getting, just getting, taking back the house doesn't do anything. Now it might do something if you can take your state house, but even then, that's farming out what is your responsibility to other people. It's farming out your obligation to uphold righteous liberty and, and the natural rights. Okay, you can't farm out those protections. You can't, you can't expect other people, because they have the right letter after their name, to do the right thing. We have a long history of them not doing the right thing at local, state, federal levels. So you have to do the right thing. You have to do the right thing for you and your family and hope that it spreads. Brigham Young, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he said, he said, you start with yourself, then you convert your family, then you convert your friends, and eventually we run the devil out of our society. It's got to start on a small level. It can't, you can't just elect a guy you like to be president of the United States and expect everything to get better on the ground. This is not that kind of world. We have to work from the inside mm -hmm. out. And this is the evil genius of the whole coronavirus thing is it got neighbors suspicious of each other and it moved all of the debate online to the Twitter echo chamber where the Twitter mob rules. So people think that they're in a minority. And so you need to start talking to your, your friends and neighbors and your family and making sure that they understand that they're living in a false reality, living in, we're playing well, charades right now. They've not only turned neighbors on, on neighbors, but they've made it taboo to even have those kind of conversations. Right, and when you, when, you have your, when you have the conversation and your brother or your sister or somebody starts saying, well, but the science, but the expert, but say, no, 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 no. You changed the science in 2020, it's incumbent upon you. You bear the burden of explaining Show it. Me. So you articulate Show it. Show me the data. Articulate it because you don't get to just say that. That's, you're parroting the mainstream media and you're in the minority. You, need, you think, have the burden of proof I think on it your was, side. I think it was one year ago today, March 8th, 2020, that Fauci said people should not just be running around with masks. Right. And three days later, the NBA shuts down. We're, right. we're, we're coming up on one year. I like the way you articulated it. 52 weeks of two weeks to slow the spread, to flatten the curve. We, have, we now know that, that this is not going to end unless we end it. We, they can't, 
they're not going to do it. They just something the, else is going uh, to be next. If you think they're if you think that, back off of if you think it's going to take two years, if you're willing to wait two years, then it's too late for society. I mean, we've already waited long enough. One year is a heck of a long time. Well, think about all think about all that's been lost. And there's a lot of people again on Twitter that be like, yeah, what's lost has been 500,000 lives. And, and that number is exaggerated. Not only is it and exaggerated, but it's just, it's out of, totally out of context. Out of context. We lose 3 million people every year. And this year we lost right. 3.2 million people. So we didn't lose, we didn't lose an extra 500,000. We lost maybe an extra 120, 130,000, maybe 200,000 at the most. And that's what but, happens with seasonal illnesses. But the things that have been lost for the rest of us are never coming back unless we take them back. And you've got to ask yourself, do you want to live the rest of your life this way? Do you want to, do you want to constantly have the threat of lockdowns, shutdowns, slowing spreads, flattening curves? Do you always want that looming over your head? Do you want to book a vacation for next year? And really not be sure if you'll be allowed to go? Do you want to live like that? Do you want to start a business knowing that in six months or in six days or in six years, the government can tell you to shut down because of too much pollution or too much wrong think or a virus? This corona year, the 2020 coronavirus pandemic was a masterstroke in Mind Author control, authoritarianism, tyranny, and mind control. It was genius. It was. But, it was. It look was, at the, uh, It was their masterpiece. Look at the survival rates: ninety nine point nine five, ninety nine point nine nine. None of that matters. Well, nobody will say it. But is life so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at this price? That's the question. That is the question right now. We we've all got to be asking ourselves because you will get neither life nor peace if we allow this to continue. Who's who's been at peace over the last twelve months? Right. I mean, even even the mindless drones, who like that photo we've shared before of all the masked people looking up at the big screen. They look like zombies. I don't think have been at peace. It's been a twenty twenty was a year of unrest. Ask yourself why and where did it come from? Was any of it natural? Was any of it? grassroots or was it all astroturfed artificial manufactured outrage that we were all supposed to feel was it all people being told you need to be mad about the kid riding his motorcycle through the neighborhood even though there was no kid riding his motorcycle through the neighborhood but there could have been well at the end of that quote you know is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the ch price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. <laughs> That's a prayer. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're are we not like kind of in that range right now? I think we're in the range. We're in the... <laughs> are we really going to live like this? I, do you, I know people, there are people out there, I, I've got relatives that think that, oh, the vaccine, now we've got the vaccine. It's great. They're not going to let this go. This is the, the, vaccine, this is the rebranding of the common cold. This is, the vaccine will be permanent. Every year, you're going to be 
a, you'll get a cold you get vaccine. Another vaccine. A cold vaccine. Just like a flu shot. It's a cold shot. But I think they're going to be much more. They're gonna they're gonna push this a much harder than just the flu shot. The flu shot's always been one of those things like, hey, it's available if you want it. Then you can see some. Well, they were they really were pushing it hard, but I don't think they could ever get people scared enough. But this this is different. This vaccine is is going to be our little freedom pass. Yeah, yeah, you can go to the concert. Do you have your vaccine card? And we we talked about this a year ago. And people thought we were nuts, not on the podcast because that didn't exist, but just the vaccine cards, the vaccine passports are coming. They're coming. And you better be prepared to trade your freedom for this vaccine. You better be prepared. Like uh, too many people don't care. Too many people are like saying, what's the big deal about the mask? I don't even want to frame it that way. They've already traded their freedom or 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 allowed their freedom to be you know contingent upon a mask contingent upon the mask they've already allowed that now we're doing it with the vaccine right i think that's the line that's that, that's a line that's a line in the sand because the mask a lot of people out there you could take off a mask you could eventually you take the mask off but getting you poked un, you can't get unvaccinated getting a cold shot a, a shot for the common cold that's that that's the way we need to frame the discussion and we need to civilly disobey now because, you know, I, 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 I know where you're going with this, Bobby, but I don't like that that line of, uh, you know, prepare yourself. You can. Well, prepare. What I'm saying can, is I know pre- you're not prepare, not prepare to get that and to accept it, but prepare Watch for the that society. choice. Watch the society go there. But we need to raise the awareness with other people right now that the lines have been crossed. The uh, the society, the uh, coronavirus episode has actually jumped the shark and we're not buying it and we're going to civilly disobey. There's no reason to get a to get a shot. We've already passed herd immunity. It was the common cold, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have all the empirical evidence. We need to reframe the debate in realistic terms. Ninety nine. We don't we don't get vaccinations for things that are ninety nine point nine nine percent survivable. You don't do that. You don't need to do that. That's a That's optional. And, and we need to start to civilly disobey. We need to start to make, make it known amongst family and friends that the, that the coronavirus has jumped the shark and it is the common cold now. It's, if it's mutating, great. Because that's, that's what coronaviruses do and they that's have done they for, do. forever. They always mutate. Which is why every year you get the sniffles. Right. And some years you might get something that's a little worse. And it tails off in February. Since January eleventh, nationally, cases have dropped seventy five percent. Well, they also changed the PCR testing. They did uh, cycle threshold, and counts. you can't you can't give credit to the vaccine for that because the vaccine isn't rolled out enough. So just cases are have naturally gone down, or the PCR testing has changed. But regardless, but what you do look at is hospitalizations and deaths have also dropped dramatically since their peak right around the start of the year. Maybe we need to resurrect the whole Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself thing because, I mean, that's, that encapsulates it, you know. Oh, yeah, and, and Epstein killed himself, right? Oh, I need a vaccine. Oh, yeah, and Epstein killed himself. I, what is it going to take for the people to, to pop out and go, oh, yeah, um, so you mean you think this is crazy? Yeah, and Epstein didn't kill himself, right? I'm hopeful that as the weather warms up, 
as we move into this spring that we start seeing a, an awakening and all of the people out there that have gone along with this and and remember i think a lot of well-meaning people a lot of good people a year ago said yeah we we'll do this we'll do this for two weeks this could be something bad we don't know we were told we don't know anyway Mm -hmm. and then it kind of just slipped away we had summertime and by then by the time fall rolled around Anybody who was tired of it saw cases start to rise and said, oh, maybe this is serious. Now cases have dropped. We're going into another spring. I think the idea that this is seasonal, and again, we have a year's worth of empirical data. We know who it's dangerous for. We know who it's not dangerous for. We know how to treat it. We know how to how to uh, live with this like Which we have we've already known th- for the thousands last of years thousands of years <laughs> i don't even i don't we proved I don't know. the model i guess guys it's up to us it's up to us to end this because guys like andrew cuomo and anthony fauci and eric fingledingle and yeah spencer, well, spencer cox, cox are not uh, going to Angela end Dunn, this none of they the, benefit from this well, being prolonged they the, benefit from your misery get that in your head is the utah legislature still in session i think it just finished right they just finished yeah so it's up to us now we gotta we gotta civilly disobey we've got to say enough is enough and stop the madness and uh because the governor's back in charge here with the with the it's it's a really positive thing that the utah legislature is not in session all the time because that means they can't be running around making a lot of extra laws they tried to limit but the governor's emergency powers. And I don't think that bill got through. Well, they, they, um, there needs to be some lawsuits, but it it proves how corrupt the court systems are because I've heard there are some lawsuits in the works that have been delayed procedurally. And uh, the point is that the legislature did come back into special session to, end of the emergency orders of Governor Herbert last year, but he just reinstated them. So he circumvented them by issuing a new emergency order. And I guess the, I don't know, we'll have to check on that, whether that bill passed. I think we've been under emergency order for 12 straight months. Yeah, that's that's incredibly egregious. That's a, that's a huge offense against uh, rationality and a, against and and, and the reason that's a problem is because under emergency declarations it's a 30-day thing governors can can circumvent laws and rules and become basically pseudo dictators dictators. and we've seen that even in this freedom-loving state of utah where governor herbert never saw an emergency order that he didn't love yeah well Well, final thoughts i i've been a little disjointed and, and a little grumpy today and I hope uh, I hope that doesn't come through a ton in the podcast, but we're both feeling, I think, a little agitated just with the, the state of things. But I I think there's still reason for optimism. Things aren't too late, and we have we have right on our side. We have truth on our side, or at least we're pursuing truth. And I and don't stop doing that. Don't ever stop pursuing truth. And when something is obviously false. When some when a self evident truth is being turned upside down by the media or the governments or whoever, stand stand up in opposition to that in whatever way you decide. 
be, be a little bit civil disobedient, however you decide, and stand up for self-evident truth. Well, I'm optimistic too. And I'll tell you what I foresee here. What I think we have playing out is, in a very cosmic sense, uh, an end times scene. We live in a special, a special period in the history of the world. And you really need to, as an individual, connect with the heavens, with, with the God or the gods, whatever you think that is, and find out who you are and why you're here. Because it is like being a, a star player in an in a exciting film with the hero's journey playing out and the climax, the battle, that final reckoning is occurring, that final uh, climax of the movie or the, the story is, is occurring and you're in it right now and you need to figure out why you're here and what you need to do because I don't think you were here to retire like your grandparents and live out the golden age of America. That's clearly past. You're here for something far more significant and you need to work that out between you and the gods and come to an understanding of what your calling is, what your, what your call to adventure is. And I'm optimistic because, you know, it's been bad. The truth has been hidden in America for a long time, but now things are coming to a head. And that means there's some sort of a resolution that's going to occur. Now, it could be bad, but I don't think so. I think that if we look at it in a really dystopic type of a way, like that the controllers, the oligarchy is going to just take control and we're going to live in slavery, that would defeat the purpose of this life. If you have no agency left, that would defeat the purpose of this life. I think that God will step in and that what you're seeing playing out here in this scene, in this era, is a juxtaposition of the hubris of mankind. Go look up the word hubris if you need to. It's man thinking that it's God. Man, mankind thinking we are as powerful as the gods and we can do whatever we want and that our actions won't come back to hurt us in any poetic way. Uh, you've got the hubris of mankind juxtaposed against acts of God. And I'm just going to bring up two examples that we've seen in the last 12 months, we saw in Utah, we had an earthquake where th there's a, most of you guys already know this, but the Salt Lake Temple in Salt Lake City has an angel, a golden angel on it, Angel Moroni, who holds a trumpet. And it's a symbol of the Mormon church and has been for a long time. All, most of these temples that we have have angels with a trumpet, Angel Moroni with a trumpet up there on it. And we had an earthquake, which by technical insurance contract definition is an act of God, quote unquote. We had an earthquake where the trumpet was yanked out of the hands of the angel Moroni. <laughs> and the angel stood, stayed there, but the trumpet was jerked out. And it had stood through many earthquakes and, you know, 150 years, you know, no problem. But it, it just, I think with a wink and a nod, God shimmied that trumpet out and threw it onto the side of the temple and said, let's see what they make of this. And then you had uh, the hubris of mankind just here in the Texas power outage manifest where the, the legislature had uh, voted not to winterize their equipment because global warming. <laughs> so they, 
they uh, they decided, yeah, we're okay here. We we don't normally have problems. So, and global warming, you know, we're on top of this whole climate thing and and the the forces of the earth thing. We're we're better than that. And then of course they they recognized they were going to get this polar vortex, uh, and and they pled with the Biden administration EPA to let them, you know take special actions with their fossil fuels and the, and the administration shut them down. So it was a twofold double whammy of uh, statism coming back to bite the Texans and all of it related to an act of God, weather, you know, a, a cyclical out of the ordinary weather event that came back and said, Hey, by the way, you guys think you're so smart. So take hope. Those of you that are out there, take hope, get in touch with the God, the gods of light, God the uh, the Father, Jesus Christ, whoever you know, what however you see the cosmos, you know, I believe in the Father and the Son and the Mother. Okay, I, I'm not going to be shy about that. I'm not going to mince words with you guys. And I and I definitely love Joseph Smith and his cosmology. We I give another shout out to the April seventh, eighteen forty four, General Conference address. If you want to read that and discuss it or comment on it or whatever, I I think that's important stuff. It's very very. Um, hermetic, cosmist, eternal, eternal progression perspective type of material. And I think it's important because I believe that mankind is, has within itself the seed of divinity. And we, we have a lot of improving to do and a lot of, a lot of things to learn, but we need to recognize that's who we are. We need to treat each other that way. And we need to take back into our own hands those rights that we rightly have endowed by our creator life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the pursuit of truth. And so I'm optimistic. I think that while, while mankind as a massive herd demonstrates its hubris, God is working his work quietly, sometimes, uh, sometimes dramatically. But that, but that Angel Moroni thing where the trumpet was yanked out was a, totally a wink and a nod. How could it be anything less than a, hey, by the way, I'm right here. Three days later, churches everywhere shut down. Wow. I hadn't, I hadn't put that uh, those, timing yeah, together. Those two things happened in the same week. Yeah. And if you're LDS and you understand the symbolism of an the, an, trumpet. the, the angel Moroni with a trumpet, you know that that's, that's far more than a coincidence. Right. Well, anyway... Stay safe, stay effective. <laughs> be safe, be effective. Be bold, be courageous, and be effective. Yeah. Be uh, be positive. Right. Yeah, don't get be wise. don't get too uh, be wise. Don't get don't get too worn down with all this yeah. stuff. It, it it can be tough and uh, it's it's not a it's a hostile environment for truth seekers, but truth is on your side and the truth shall set you free and this is what you signed up for so figure it out with god and be that be free thanks everybody and we will see you again next week happy equinox